here's Pastor Ed with a brief preview of today's edition of Voice of Faith. Recognizing that we never outgrow our need of God's grace, that we never outgrow our need of the cross. The recognition that it's only through the blood of Christ that I am saved. It's not through the works of my hand. It's not through the good deeds that I do. It's not through all of my religious observance or my knowledge of the Bible. It's the cross. What is being born again? Today's message with Pastor Ed takes a look at this kind of bizarre statement posed to a religious man by Jesus himself. Being born again isn't a physical thing. Rather, it is as Pastor Ed said, the recognition that we are never enough. We will never be able to do enough to be good enough. We desperately need grace and a Savior, and when we accept this and accept Jesus, we become something completely new. We are transformed into children of God. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's message entitled, New Birth. We're told by William Barclay, a commentator, that there were maybe 6,000 Pharisees at the time of Christ among all of the people. That's only a small segment. These people were diligent about living out the Bible. They were concerned to be ethical and righteous and right. Many of them were bivocational, served God in some way and served in their nation in other ways. They had held down jobs, but they were serious about their Bible. They were serious about being ethical. This man was not only a Pharisee, one of 6,000, a unique group, but he was a ruler of the Jews. That meant that his colleagues saw something in him and invited him to serve on a group of 70 people that led the nation. They interpreted the Bible. They made the Jewish rules up that people were to live by. He was someone honored among his people for his religious commitment. He was in the right religion. He was a Jew. He was in the right place in Jerusalem. Not only was he a Pharisee on the ruling council, but there's something else about this man that's remarkable. Jesus compliments him later on and says that you're Israel's teacher. What that means was he was an outstanding teacher, well-known. If you had a Bible conference, he'd be there teaching. If you had a special guest that you really wanted to come, it would be Nicodemus. He would be on the docket. I mean, he knew the Pentateuch. He knew the prophets. He had memorized much of the Bible. A master expositor. He comes to Jesus at night. And he pays Jesus an incredible compliment. This young preacher, Jesus, 30 years old, facing a well-known, noted teacher and ruler of the Jews. Nicodemus says to Jesus, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher sent from God. What a compliment. He expected that perhaps Jesus would suddenly say, well, thank you. I'm glad to hear that you think so well of me and that you'll receive me. I mean, Nicodemus was diplomatic, careful, respectful. Jesus wasn't swayed by any of it. 
persuaded by any of it. He just brushed it all aside and went to the heart of the matter. There was a need in Nicodemus' life. As good and ethical as he was, as religious as he was, as scrupulous in his religious profession, there was something missing. And he said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Now, Nicodemus was familiar with that term. It wasn't something that rabbis had not heard before because whenever a proselyte, a Gentile, converted to Judaism, they would say, he has had a new birth. He's starting life all over again. Everything is new. It was a term that they would use when someone converted to Judaism. And Jesus says, Nicodemus, you have to be born again. What? Speak like that to an elder of Israel? What happened to Nicodemus often happens to people who go to a Christian school or who attend church regularly. Nicodemus studied the law but fell into the trap that so many through the centuries fall into thinking that knowing about God is the same as knowing God. Doing religious things is the same as having eternal life. Paul the Apostle put his finger on it when he said in Romans chapter 3.20 for no one, no one, no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Nicodemus fell into the trap that's so common for religious people. Self-righteousness. Feeling that my obligation to God is fulfilled when I give the tithe, I attend the church, I pray my prayers, I perhaps give to FCA. It's more, far more than that. And Jesus is going to have a conversation with Nicodemus. It's an essential conversation. It was spoken between Jesus and Nicodemus nearly 2,000 years ago. And throughout the centuries, it's been a cornerstone, a guide for how we are to respond to God and what God expects of us and how you and I could know that our names are written down in God's heavenly book, the Lamb's book of life. This conversation was an essential conversation. Verse 4, Nicodemus asked this question, how can a man be born when he's old? Nicodemus asked, surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. If Nicodemus perhaps in his 50s at this time, maybe 60, hadn't made it with all the good works and all the religiosity and all the things that he did, well, then maybe it'd be just impossible. How can it be? Now, um, Jesus is not about making people comfortable. I mean, he's not about speaking so diplomatically that you fail to hear what he's trying to say to you. Here's Jesus' answer. 
Listen to it real carefully. The explanation, born of water and of spirit. Verses 5 and 6. Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. No one, no one, underline it, circle it. No one can enter the kingdom of God unless he's born of water and spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. What was Jesus saying? Born of water. Well, the Bible is the best interpreter of the Bible. If you go back to chapter 1 of John's Gospel, there's a delegation of religious leaders, Pharisees, who inquire about John the Baptist and his credentials. In Mark 1.4 it reads, And John came baptizing in the desert region and preaching a baptism of what? Repentance. For the forgiveness of sins. And in John's Gospel, the first chapter... Now, some of the Pharisees who had been sent to question him, John the Baptist, why do you baptize? John the Baptist was saying, people must repent, turn from sin and turn to God. Change their mind about sin and change their mind about what God says. Repentance is the way of life for a believer. The law shows us that we don't measure up, that we fail. The law shows us that we need a Savior. The great trap that so many fall into is that religious attendance, good works, somehow become the ladder that they climb up to to stand acceptable in God's sight. But that ladder will never bring them into heaven. That ladder of good works will never take them into the presence of God. But because all of our works, the Bible tells us, are like filthy rats. They're not good enough. They made a tragic mistake. Thinking that because they were Jewish, because they were in the right religion, they had the right pedigree, that that was it. In John's Gospel, chapter 1, 12 to 13, it says... Yet to all who received him, meaning Christ, those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. You can't pass on your Christianity to your children. They themselves have to receive Christ. You can't become a Christian simply by going to church, reading the Bible, praying. It takes a miracle of God, a divine act of the Holy Spirit. Notice what the text says, born of the Spirit. It's God's Spirit coming inside of you, changing you, making you new. That's what Jesus was saying, born of God. That's the explanation. Here's the declaration. You must be born again. I remember as a young Christian working in the city and I happened to work with a Mormon. And this man was one of the most devout men that I had ever met. And it even seemed like he was a spiritual man and maybe he was, but he didn't have God's spirit in him because he didn't believe what Jesus said about his identity, who he was. And sometimes we meet very good moral people. 
But if they don't have a personal relationship with Christ, whether they're in the Christian church or in some other religion, doesn't, they're, they're not saved. There are religious people who are not saved. There are irreligious people who are not saved. There are people who, maybe they're Hindu. I remember going to England for a preaching conference and visiting Scotland and England and going to the town of Bath and visiting a church. At this particular church, they were having a special meeting. A missionary from India had come back. He had built orphanages and churches, and now he was retired, and he was going to talk about some of those experiences and show some of the works of art that he had now produced. And I remember listening to him as he stood behind the podium in that church, and he talked, and he made a statement. I felt like I would fall right through the floor. It was like a heavy rock fell onto my heart and soul. He said, I have a good Hindu friend, and he's a spiritual man, and I think he's going to heaven. Jesus said, you must be born again. I'll take his words over any religious leader's words. You must be born again to enter into the kingdom of God. That's the only way, no matter how good or ethical a person may be. It doesn't make them a Christian. There are not many ways to God. There's only one way to God, and, and that's through Jesus Christ. To be born again means that deep inside there is a change, a transformation. You cannot make yourself a Christian. God has to do something inside of you, a miracle, and make you a brand new person. It tells us in 2 Corinthians... 517, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Now, it doesn't end with this conversation right here. It becomes perplexing. There's a perplexing conclusion to this interview with Nicodemus and Jesus. In verse 10, Jesus is are you Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and you don't understand these things? Jesus is amazed at the spiritual blindness of this leader. He's amazed at the spiritual darkness in his heart, in the scriptures, but the scriptures haven't transformed him. You can have reverend in front of your name or pastor in front of your name but it doesn't mean that you are born again. It doesn't mean you're going to heaven. Jesus teaches us that there is a spiritual blindness. And there's a question that Nicodemus asked. This question arises out of the heart of unbelief. Listen to the question. It's based and grows out of unbelief. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. How can this be? Jesus pointed him to John the Baptist, who was preaching repentance. See, Nicodemus would have had to humble himself. Uh, what happens is many times the reason we can't comprehend something intellectually is because our heart isn't right with God. Because 
It's a problem of the heart, not a problem of the mind. It's a problem that's on the inside where our will and God's will winds up clashing. Nicodemus was walking along the path of self-righteousness. And he had gone that way so many years. An older man, a preacher, a teacher, religious. But yet, he had not been born again. What happens is, is, is Jesus is dealing with a problem that the church has had for 2,000 years. Uh, that believers have had since the beginning of time. Remember the story of the prodigal son? The son who left his father's house when he hit rock bottom, when he found himself in the pig pen eating the husk. He came to himself, the Bible says. He went back to his father and his father embraced him in arms of grace. That son never forgot that he was a sinner. But there also was an older son That elder son never left the father's house. But he didn't know the father's heart and was lost in the father's house. Jesus told an incredible story, a parable. I want you to listen to the words as I read it to you from Luke's gospel. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself, God, I thank you. I'm not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven. He beat his breast and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's the key recognizing that we never outgrow our need of God's grace, that we never outgrow our need of the cross. The recognition that it's only through the blood of Christ that I am saved. It's not through the works of my hand. It's not through the good deeds that I do. It's not through all of my religious observance or my knowledge of the Bible It's the cross of Christ alone. Jesus would say that. He would say that well-known verse that is probably the most popular verse in the New Testament. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. What happens in the words of the Apostle Paul is this. 1 Corinthians 2.14, but people who aren't spiritual can't receive these truths from God's Spirit. It all sounds foolish to them, and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. What happens is sometimes people have an aversion to the term born again. Oh, those born again people. It's a biblical term. It's a scriptural term. And it's essential to understand and experience it. For without that, a person is lost for all eternity. Watch Jesus' response to Nicodemus' question. I mean, Jesus is not going to mince words. He's not going to dance around the issue. He is right in Nicodemus' face. In verses 10 to 12, you are Israel's teacher. Said Jesus, you don't understand these things. 
I tell you the truth. We speak that we know, we testify that we have seen, but still you people do not accept our testimony. John the Baptist, the prophets, God the Father, Jesus, they testify to the truth. And the Spirit witnessed to their hearts. But what happens is unbelief sometimes shuts the door, closes their ears. Simply because to believe means to fully cross the line. I mean, you can have a measure of belief, but does that belief make you a follower, a committed Christian where you surrender to him? Or do we just use religion to feel good and to say somehow my own good works are going to qualify me before God? Jesus says, you don't believe. Sometimes it's really, again, the matter of the heart because God's agenda clashes with our agenda and we choose our agenda rather than his agenda. We're not willing to say, God, I turn everything over to you. Be Savior and Lord and recognize that we are truly sinners. We're masters at lying. A nation of liars is what I believe it was Newsweek and U.S. News World Report called us decades ago. But the greatest deception is our self-deception. There Nicodemus spoke with the greatest communicator, the greatest speaker ever to live. And his words fell on deaf ears at that moment. It's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of the heart. Don't put up the defenses when God's spirit comes and says, things need to be changed. You need to be right. This is not something that just simply happened back in New Testament times. He's a representative of what sometimes happens in religious circles. There's a comparison in John 3 and John 4. In John 3, you have a religious sinner. He's lost. And in John 4, you have an irreligious sinner who's lost. And in John 4, the irreligious sinner is easier to win, easier to convince. She had been married numerous times and now was living in adultery. I mean, she knew she was a sinner. And that woman at the well received and told and shared the good news that Jesus is the Savior. Nicodemus, at this moment, didn't. At the end of the book, thank God, he did. He joins with a secret disciple, Joseph Arimathea, to recover the body of Christ and prepare it for burial. But at this moment, his eyes are closed. A.W. Tozer said, Conversion for the early New Testament Christians was not a destination. It was the beginning of a journey. I want to ask you, are you born again? Are your children born again? No, 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 no. Not do you attend Faith Assembly of God. It's not a denomination that can save you. Not even a pastor. There's only one basis of salvation in Christ and Christ alone. All other ground is sinking sand. Well, that's all the time we have for today's edition of Voice of Faith. 
with Pastor Ed Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's more to come from Pastor Ed's look at the Gospel of John. We encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and select today's date from the Voice of Faith media plan. Again, that's voiceoffaithradio.com. Maybe today's message brought a family member or a friend to mind. You can share today's message via Facebook and Twitter by simply logging on to voiceoffaithradio.com and clicking on today's date. There you'll find all the options to share. Now we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to voiceoffaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Voice of Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join Pastor Ed as he continues teaching through the Gospel of John right here on Voice of Faith.